Good afternoon. God bless you. God bless you and welcome to all of you that are watching online today. And uh, we welcome you to the second day of our e-retreat. It's not the same, but it is still has the word retreat in it, so we're excited. And uh, this is our day two. We are looking forward to a great lineup of ministry this afternoon. And uh, we uh, are excited to have Brother uh, Jack Duff with us. And Brother Burley, who's here, dressed up, looking very nice, very sharp uh, here today. And we'll be ministering uh, tonight in the service. And uh, that'll be happening at 7 o'clock. So for those of you that are listening online in different parts of the world, and last night we had over 60 uh, almost 60 groups uh, who were uh, watching from New Zealand, from South Africa, from uh, the Philippines. There was uh, multiple countries that were listed uh, last night. So we were excited about that and, and youth groups from different places. And uh, I, I was uh, not surprised at that because we had sent out the notice, but I was pleased that uh, so many people took up the, the invitation and uh, you know, we're able to join us. So that's a great thing. And we had this time off for uh, for retreat, and uh, I thought it would be edifying for us to have the ministers who already had tickets and already had, uh, you know, the, the day set aside to come and visit us. And uh, so we're excited to have them and thought that this would be a good thing. Something in my heart like a stream running down. Let's stand to our feet. We're just going to have one song, one prayer, and we're going to go right into the Word tonight. This afternoon, something in my heart like a stream makes me feel so happy, happy as can be. And when I think of Jesus, what he's done for me gives me something more than in my soul. Happy as can be when I think of Jesus, what he's done for me gives me something more than gold in my soul. something more than gold. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have to be able to gather today and to be able to sit and learn, to be able to hear and allow our faith to increase because faith comes by hearing. And in order, Lord, for us to have the right faith, we have to have the right hearing. And you have provided that. You have provided a word that is true. You have provided, Lord, a message that is unparalleled in the history of this world. And we thank you for that, Lord, because it was reserved for us. And now, Lord Jesus, I pray that the word would find its mark today. 
that you would just stir every heart, every soul. And Lord, even though we are not able to gather in person, we are able to gather in spirit. And that is a good thing, Lord. May your word reach hearts all over the world now today. We pray that you would just draw near to assemblies and youth groups and individuals, Lord, that are listening in all these different places around the world. And Lord, may you just touch their hearts and souls. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you take complete control of the rest of this day. Lord, we give you the service, we give you our fellowship, we give you our time, we give you our hearts, and ask, O oh God, that you would minister in a personal way. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Uh, Brother uh, uh, Paul and I have been talking and, and uh, communicating back and forth, and he's not here. Uh, we fooled everyone last night by putting on the song from away. Even Brother Burley thought he was here. Uh, but we spliced him into the service and uh, got him uh, singing a song for us. And uh, we, uh, uh, we certainly miss him because, you know, having a retreat is like walking around on one leg if you don't have Brother Paul. And so um, we want to give a shout-out to him and his group. They're listening up there in Toledo today. And uh, we, Lord willing, uh, we would love to have uh, a retreat. We would have loved to have it up in uh, Carson Springs, but it was just not possible this year and uh, would have been uh, on the dangerous side. And so uh, this, is, uh, this is what we thought would be edifying for us to have in place of that. So I want you to uh, think for a little bit uh, this afternoon just to kind of get your mind in gear to receive what uh, God has for you and um, take the information, take the teaching. And uh, I, I, I know that this afternoon uh, it's going to be applicable for us. And uh, it, it's, uh, it's an opportunity that we have, and we often say this in the retreat, we have an opportunity to talk about things that we ordinarily wouldn't talk about in a regular service because it's just us. And we got people at a certain age range that we can discuss matters that are, you know, pertinent to that time of life. And that's a good thing. Uh, Brother Branham did it. He did it in his own church. He got the young men together one afternoon, and next week he'd get the young girls together and talk to them. And there, there are unique challenges that you have at this age. Uh, and in this age, this time of life that we live in, in 2021, uh, that are unique to no, I mean, there's nothing like uh, anything in history. Uh, to the times we live in, and it's just just an amazing time. So, I think it's good for us to discuss the Word of God and how it relates to me, how it applies to me, and then how am I supposed to take that Word and live it in our day? And that's what we like to talk about. And so, retreat uh, is an opportunity for us to step back from the things of the world a little bit and just to be able to share those things uh, through these ministers. And so, you should be praying and say, Lord, help help him to say, say something that will help me to be able to come out of this stronger, better, and more capable to face the age that we live in. And that's, that should be your prayer. Just don't make it any more complicated than that. Just, just say, hey, Lord, you know what I need better even than I know what I need. And so have that minister come down my street, knock on my door, and say something that's going to help and minister to me. Let's sing it one more time. We're going to ask Brother Jack to come. He needs no introduction. Um, uh, we're going to give him the, the floor this afternoon. Something in my heart like a stream running down. And it makes me feel so happy, happy as can be. And when I think of Jesus, 
What he's done for me gives me something more than gold in my soul. Yes, there's something more than gold. Oh, yes, oh, yes, there's something more than gold. Oh, yes, oh, yes, there is something in my soul. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you, my brother. Well, God bless you all. Um, and I realize uh, on to this afternoon we have um, uh, an international um, audience. And I'm certainly trusting as we would just go through the word of God. Okay. Thank you. Is that better? We got it. All right. So um, I'm trusting that as we just go through this um, this afternoon, that it'll be a blessing and applicable to each and every one. Uh, as I think I was I was hearing on yesterday that um, first of all, this this particular camp has been running for about 29 years. This youth retreat has been running about 29 years, and that is uh, a tremendous accomplishment, um, you know, I'd have to say. And, and the other thing I heard uh, in, uh, 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 yesterday is that um, there's been many of marriages that have come forth. <laughs> that's, not, that's not true. Uh, I, I think there were some relationships that happened, and people got married, and, oh, okay, there's, there's a witness back there. So that's a good thing. That's that's a good thing. I, I, I'm um, I'm very happy to hear that. And I, so today, I, I just felt that I would just kind of talk about something. Now, this is this is I have to be honest with you. This is fresh, something that God gave me uh, that I never, you know, uh, actually really talked about in a in a public setting. I talked about it to individuals, but I felt that I would uh, bring it to this public setting, and I titled this uh, the four tires of marital relationship the four tires the four tires and um i'm gonna okay perfect all right yesterday we uh heard from brother stephen coffee and he he did an excellent job just talk telling you know encouraging us to elevate elevate not thinking uh, elevating in, in, in the way that we, you know, just um, pursue God and just everything. We, we need to elevate, you know, we, we need to be uh, at a higher level this year than we were last year, you know, and, uh, and I thought that was really uh, uh, timely. And he, he happened to make a comment about, um, you know, he had a truck that he really, really liked, but he was going to uh, delay trying to purchase that truck until he's until certain financial goals were actually accomplished. And this was a Chevy Silverado that he, uh, he was interested in. And I want you to look at that truck because, in all honesty, I have to confess that I, too, have a liking to the Chevy Silverado. Praise the Lord. <laughs> or the uh, GMC Denali, you know. Uh, I, I do have a liking, and I keep my eyes on, on that particular vehicle quite often. Uh, but I want you to look at that truck. It looks like it's ready to come out of, you know, this uh, garage and, and probably ready for me to drive it. That's what I'm thinking. 
right? Uh, but, but what I want you to understand when we talk about the four tires of marital relationship, uh, that truck would be useless if one of the tires on it was flat. Or if two tires were flat, you can forget about it. That truck is going nowhere, right? And it does not have the same appeal uh, uh, for use if, if one of the tires or two of the tires is flat or if all the tires are flat. So what I'm here, you know, to, to kind of talk about uh, today is just the four, the four tires of marital relations and, and how you have to have all tires with equal air, uh, making sure that your ride in life is very, very smooth. Praise the Lord. All right. So uh, here are the things that we're going to talk about. I'm just going to present a few scriptures to you. And then I want to give you an introductory quote. And it just so happened, the quote that I have in the introduction here is the same quote that Brother Barry was just referring to. Uh, So uh, then I want to give you some definitions. And uh, and then at uh, towards the end, we'll get to the the four tires of the marital uh, relationship. So just bear with me as we just kind of go through this um, today. I believe it will be a blessing for us all. All right. So. Scriptures. Let's um, look at Proverbs 18 and 22. Um, and I, I know that, you know, you have some particular um, camps. They actually get a, a reputation that it is a place that people only go to try to seek mates. And, and I don't think that's what this has been. I think this is just that's normal and that's natural. Right. You get to a certain age. It's very normal and it's natural for someone to find, um, you know, a mate. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. All there's nothing evil about that. Uh, You know, and and, and, and I want us to just understand that uh, sometimes we come to places like this. We're seeking God, but God has another blessing for us, another blessing. And and who who, who would not want a blessing from God? Right. So so there's nothing wrong with that. And, and, and please, because uh, um, young people do this, you know, when they, they kind of hear that, oh, they're going to be talking about courtship. They're going to be talking about this. And like, I don't want to be a part of that. Like, you know, look, I th- this is just kind of gives us guidance. Yeah. Right. And I think it's very important. Um, I, 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 with my daughters, I said, these are guardrails that kind of help you so you don't fall off the cliff. Right. When you're going around a mountain, it's good to have some guardrails. Right. That way you don't end up falling off the cliff. And and let me tell you something. When it comes to relationships, this is an area where I see many young people fall off the cliff. So it's a very important area. God's concerned about it. The pastors are concerned about it. And you yourself, you should be concerned about it. So we try to give you some guardrails that help you succeed when it comes to this time in your life. This is another season that you will enter into. And again, your purpose will begin to shift. Here, Proverbs 18.22 says, Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing. It's not a bad thing, right? Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord, right? So, so this is a good thing that we see here in Scripture. Another Scripture um, that we want to just introduce is Hebrews 13.4, which says, Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. So, so God has a, a, a certain respect that he gives to marriage, 
and relationships. God has that. And, uh, and we, all we want to do is make sure that we as believers, as Christians, are following God's expectations. Amen. You know, the world sets certain expectations, but God has some that he wants us to, to adhere to. Here, Genesis also uh, 1 and 18 says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him. So we can see just just in these simple scriptures that, you know, uh, God is concerned about anybody that might be feeling lonely. God is concerned about that. Right. Uh, Even in the beginning, when, you know, when he made Adam, it's so that God himself would not be alone. Right. And then he uh, then he also he, he took that rib out of Adam, made Eve because he said it's not good for for man to be alone. He wanted him to have he wanted him to have Eve. God wanted him to have that. God wants you to have his best. God wants you to have his best. Now, the devil wants to give you his worst, but God wants to give you his best. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's go here. Um, just introduce this quote. So, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, brother, brother Barry just referred to it. And I thought it was again to me, just a confirmation. Uh, brother Branham talked about these things with his young people in his church. And, uh, so I think when you get the opportunity to go to a, a youth camp and have this type of conversation, I think it's a blessing. I think it's a blessing. Um, uh, you know, oftentimes we don't want to, we don't want to talk about the elephant in the room, <laughs> But uh, but this is something that's very necessary. It's something that gives guidance. And and I hope it'll be some practical things that you'll be able to apply. Uh, even if you're at that not at that stage right now, hopefully something will register in you that when you get to that stage, you'll be thinking about these things. Here, the prophet says, some little old girl here not long ago says, this ain't a joke, because I don't mean to tell it as a joke, but the people knows that this is no place to joke. It says, but a little old girl here, uh, there was... Fine boys here, Christian boys. Long time ago when I was pastoring here, we used to have just young men's classes and I'd speak to the young men, young women on Sunday afternoon about sex and things. Uh, then the next Sunday afternoon, speak to the young men and try to get those things curbed out. All right. He's trying to get those things curbed out. This is important. He says, and some little, little girl, Started going with some little old shrimp downtown here. Now, here's the here's the issue that I want you to see, because if we were all to be honest, it happened in my generation. It's happening in your generation. There's always someone rising up in the church and they're doing very well, you know, in the church. But at some point in time, when it comes to this relationship, this is when things go south and they begin to fall off the cliff. Right. I mean, if it happened in Brother Branham's church, I can I can assure you. It's happening in every other church, right? Some little old girl started going with some little old shrimp. Downtown here, smoked cigarettes and had a flask in his pocket, and he drove a little roaster car around town. I couldn't see what she seen in that boy. He wouldn't come to church. He'd sit out there, put her in the church out here, and then he sat out there on the outside in his car, and wait, wouldn't come in church. I said to her one day, she lived in New Albany. I said, I want to ask you something, girly. Uh, what in the world do you see in that boy? Amen. I said, the first place, he hates the very religion that you have. 
He despises your Christ. He would never make you a husband. He would make you miserable, right? All your life. And I said, well, there's fine little Christian boys here that you could go with. And there your daddy and mother despises the thoughts of you going out. But you go anyhow and you think I'm sweet 16, right? Now, he goes on in this, and, and, and again, this is something that every church has to deal with. She started wearing makeup. She's trying to appeal to him. She started wearing makeup and running out, and the first thing, she was in roadhouses. Now, you know, we, Brother Branham called it roadhouses. We'll call it clubs today. We'll call it clubs today because the first thing you know, she's in clubs, right? Uh, she went from church, and now she's in clubs. Or the young man. It happens to young men, too. They, they, they were in church. Now they're in clubs. How did that happen? And it all happened from a relationship, a relationship. Right. So he says she's gone on to eternity now. But then she stood here. And you know what excuse that girl give me back there? That why she loved that boy says she said he's got such cute little feet and he smells so good. You mean that's all the devil has to do is offer you somebody with cute little feet and some cologne? That's all it takes for a young lady to be snatched out of the presence of God. Something's wrong with that. We need to grow up in God. We need to get, we need to elevate. If, if that's the only thing the devil has to offer us is cute little feet and cologne, something's wrong. Amen. Amen. Let's keep going a little further. Same thing for a young, young, young man. He might, he might say she got cute little feet and she, and she smells so good. Brother, bro, <laughs> please don't fall to just perfume. Please don't do that, right? I mean, but, but this is, this is how, uh, this is how real this is. It, it's sometimes just little things that cause people to get crossed up. You have to guard yourself. You have to protect yourself in this area. Stay with me. He goes and he says, uh, he's got such cute little feet, smells so good. Could you imagine that perfuming himself up? That's a sissy, not a man. Look, I said, sister, I'd rather go with a Christian boy that has feet like gravel cars and smell like a polecat. If he absolutely a Christian, that's right. True. Yeah. yeah. Glory to God. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Uh, hallelujah. It says it's, 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 it's excuse. Such cute little feet and smell so good. The little roadhouse runner finally ruined the life of the girl. It's a shame. Disgraceful. Now, this is why we want to put guardrails in place to help our young people not end up in shame or in disgrace. Brother Branham goes and, st- and quotes a scripture and it says um, marriage is honorable, but it should be entered prayerfully and reverently. Right. And most times you can you can um, uh, just by the reading of that quote, we know for sure that young lady did not pray about that relationship. If, 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 if all she got was cute little feet and he smells, smells good. She said nothing about character, anything. That young lady did not pray about that. No way. And if, and if you say you prayed about it and you end up in roadhouses or end up in clubs, something wrong with the prayer that you prayed. Let me tell you another thing that I found is that sometimes we say we prayed about it because that's, you know, that's what Christians use. We we prayed about it, but we already had our mind made up before we prayed about it. There's a there's a a, a story that, you know, this, this 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 man, he had an opportunity to get a job, you know, in another city. 
And uh, and he was telling his wife, he said, oh, my dear, you know, I just got this, this job offer in this, in this other city and and I'm uh, I'm really excited about it. And, you know, and she's like, oh, wow, this is great. I'm really happy about that. And uh, and so she um, he says, as he says, before we accept it, he says, I think I'm just going to go and pray about it. She says, I think that's a good idea. You pray and I'll pack. What she was saying is that I'm already got my mind made up. And I'm going to go ahead and pack and get ready to go, whether you pray about it or not. She already knew her answer was yes. Right. And you don't want to have that type of that that type of uh, mentality. You pray while I pack. Right. I'm already proceeding forth in this, no matter what anybody says, no matter what mama says, no matter what daddy says, no matter what the pastor says, I'm going to proceed forward anyway. Don't have that mentality. The devil is setting you up for a great fall. A life of misery. Here he says, marriage is honorable, but it should be entered prayerfully and reverently in genuine love for that woman will bind you together forever. What you bind on earth, I'll bind in heaven. When you walk down the street yonder, she may get old and gray and wrinkled. But that same love you had for her when she was young, beautiful woman, you'll still have it. You may get stoop shoulder, bald headed and wrinkle faced and everything else. But she'll love you just like you did when you stand with wide shoulders and curly hair. If it's really God for you looking to the time when you've crossed the river yonder, when you'll spring back again to young men and women to live together forever. That's God's eternal promise. He said he would do it. He not only uh, not only that we'll get to it in a minute. He swore he would do it. All right. So. This should be entered prayerfully, reverently, um, you know, and not not just some simple thing, you know, about feet. You got cute feet and, and smell good. Don't, please, please, please don't use that one. Uh, but I want to just kind of take a, a little moment here and kind of define something because courtship is one thing. But we have uh, this term modern dating. Uh, that's something totally different. So let me just kind of show you courtship and then show you uh, uh, dating. Now, I want you to notice I grabbed this from Wikipedia. This not you know necessarily from the message. There are some things that actually grew the message, but this came from Wikipedia. Now, look at what Wikipedia says. Courtship is traditionally the wooing of a female by a male. Now, I think that flows right with scripture because he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. So it should always be the young man wooing the young lady. It should never be the young lady trying to woo the young man. I want to tell you something, sister. If you have to compromise to get him, you're going to also have to compromise to keep him. Right? So don't compromise. Let let him let him pursue you. You don't pursue him. Praise the Lord. He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. Amen. Amen. So traditionally it's the wooing of a female by a male. Also courting usually involves and this is very important. Courting usually involves getting to know the family. Especially the parents of the one you're courting. And I always like to tell the young people in my church, you're not just courting that person. You're courting the entire family. You, you need to get to know the father. You need to get to know the mother. You need to see the dynamics of that household. Right? If, 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 <laughs> if there are pots and pans flying in that household, you better be watch, you better be careful because when you get married, they may think that's normal behavior. 
Right. So 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 you're, you're getting to know this family and take your time getting to know that family. Amen. All right. Here's another one. Um, most of the most of the time, mo, uh, most of the time when you're courting, it will always be done somewhere public. Amen. And this lowers the chances of anything going on between the couple. This is the definition from Wikipedia. And I agree with that. Do it publicly. Look, if, if, if somebody's trying to pull you off to the side, something's wrong. If they're not willing to honor these principles, there's something wrong there. That is a red flag that you need to get out of that relationship. Amen. All right, here we go. Look at this one. Some couples who court do not even kiss until marriage. That's Wikipedia. And I, and I say amen to that. That's exactly what I believe. You know, look, when you stand before the preacher on your wedding day and he says you may kiss the bride, that actually used to mean something. Because that's the first kiss that the couple ever takes any, at, at any point in their relationship, that's the first kiss that they give each other is when they say you may kiss the bride. But nowadays, because of dating, it means nothing when they say you may kiss the bride. Look at it. Dating, I need you to understand this, modern dating during the 1920s to 1960s, that means roughly 100 years ago, is where dating started. Before that, it was we, we, people courted. There was a respect that went with this. And, you know, and, and I mean, there was no uh, trying to slide behind the parents and, and trying to, you know, get no, no. I, they, you had a respect. You approached the parents. You approached the pastor. You got people involved. You didn't just try to do things. Nowadays, we have to watch all the social media, all the DMs and everything else that happens. Uh, young lady, if a young man sending you DMs, point them to your father. Give him your father's telephone number. And if you don't, if, if you don't have a father, give him your pastor's telephone number. I tell the sisters that all the time. Just give him the pastor's telephone. You want my number? Here's, here's my pastor's card. Call him. You need to ride the church? My pastor will, will arrange that for you. I will not be picking you up. Amen. Young, same, same, same thing for a young man. Young lady, well, I would love to go to church. I just don't have a ride. Well, here's my pastor's card. He will, he will arrange. His wife will call you, and they'll arrange for you to get to church. Guardrails. It helps. Amen. So during the 1920s to 1960s, dating was considered to be a social pastime in which most single young people would participate. Here's a, a, another statement here. Um, after the, the women's movement, the men's movement, the sexual revolution and other movements that have shaped modern Western culture, this old fashioned form of dating waned in popularity, giving way to what became known as hanging out and hooking up. Over the last hundred years, this has come into our land. And it's not just affecting us here in the, in, in, in the U.S., but this is all over the world. Uh, young people have to face this. You need guardrails, how God wants you to do things. Amen. All right. Here's another um, formal dating where one person, usually the male, contacts another person, usually the female, 
to arrange a date gave way to more casual encounters, including casual sexual encounters. This is what happened when dating came in. And now it's so bad. It is so bad that now it's the young ladies asking young men out. I've I, I seen a video where even a young lady got down on her knee to ask a young man to marry her. That is, that, that's shameful. She lowered herself so low that she has to ask a man to marry her. That means he didn't really want to do it. Right? It, and and, and I, don't, I don't have this in my notes, but young lady, I want to tell you, if a young man will not work for you, work to get you, he won't work for you later. <laughs> right. There's going to be a problem. Man. So you got you got to watch that. You want to see some some something, uh, something in this young man to pursue you and not only pursue. you. I mean, go back to the story of uh, of Jacob. Jacob had to work seven years before he actually married um, uh, uh, Rachel. He wanted to marry. And when he when he realized that, you know, Leah was the one that gave him. He was he was willing to work another seven years. You want a young man with that type of ethic. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. Not one that you have to convince to come and, and, and do all these other things. You don't want to drop your standards. Don't lower your standards to, to get anybody. God's got something way better. And, and I'm going to tell you, Satan usually likes to try to offer something before God gets there. And you have to say no to that. You have to say no to it. Amen. You know, there, there might be, uh, I, I mean, I, I did it. Um, there were many people in my life before I got married that uh, relationship just didn't work out. You know, I thought it was no, no that's not the one. And uh, and and I felt if I'm, I'll be completely transparent with you. Uh, I, I tried to pursue these outside relationships outside the church. I'm so glad God cut those things off for me. And God will do that. I, I can share some things with you. I won't go there today, but but I know what I'm talking about. And I know God's able to keep you. God's got something much better for you if you just follow his plan. All right. Okay. So you, I know you can't read that. It's very fine print. Um, this is a gentleman by the name of Red Brandt. Uh, I got this from a homeschool convention that I went to, and I was pretty amazed at what he was teaching. So I'm just going to read to you. Uh, is there a, a pointer here? I'm not sure. I'm reading, reading the left side where it says the biblical model. What this says is the differences between modern dating customs and the biblical model for romance. So on the, on, the, on the left side is the biblical model, and then on the right side is the, dating, the modern dating model. So in the biblical model, marriage was God's chosen relationship for the expression of romantic or sexual sexual desires. Marriage was God's chosen relationship for the expression of romantic or sexual desires. All right. Now, uh, and you can find that in 1 Corinthians 7, 9. Also, what the biblical model was to gain the privilege of touching one another. Uh, a couple had to enter a covenant by swearing vows of lasting faithfulness and commitment. So you didn't touch anybody until you got married. All right. Another one they had here. After entering a binding covenant, God declared two separate people to be one flesh, which meant they gained the rights to one another's bodies. All right. Uh, Another the biblical model is when a man was prepared to support a wife. So when do you get into a relationship like this? When do you start courting? When a man was prepared to support a wife, he then began to seek a relationship. Now, I think that's important. 
oftentimes, you know, we're not talking about trying to just be boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, like, like I heard someone say, you're not just trying to change your status on Facebook. Right. No, this is a real thing that you're entering into. Right. And uh, and 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 so when a young man should not even start pursuing this young lady until he actually is in a position to support a wife. Why? why what does it look like? You are uh, a full time student with no money. But you want to pursue this young lady and you can see she has a great job. What you what you what you want to do is actually take advantage of her. That's what you're trying to do. Right. So 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 what what it is, uh, young lady, you want to make sure where is he working? You need to ask questions. Where are you working? Are you working full time? Do you have benefits? You got to you, you need to ask these questions. You need to be very aware of what the situation is. Right. But 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 a young man should not pursue this until he uh, is able to support a wife. If he can't pay his own car payment, if his parents are still paying his car payment. He's not ready. He's not ready. If they're paying his insurance, he's not ready. If they're paying his cell phone, if you're, you're talking and you're courting with him, he says, yeah, my mom didn't pay my cell phone bill. The light bulbs should just go off like, what? You're how old and your mom's paying? You said, no, 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 no. Praise the Lord. All right. Um, so when a man's prepared to support a wife, he then began to seek a relationship Courtship is a word describing the exploration and cultivation of a relationship of marriage. It mean it, it is a means to an end. So when you enter the courtship, you actually have a man uh, in your heart. Your desire is to end up in marriage, not just seeking a boyfriend or seeking a girlfriend. Parents were involved in over, arranging and overseeing the relationship. If a young man or a young woman will not honor the parameters that your parents put in place, that is a red flag. That's a red flag. You're going to have problems uh, when you when you sit down for Thanksgiving dinner in the future. You're going to have problems when you're sitting, you know, around for Christmas time. You're going to have problems if it starts out with disrespect. It's going to always be disrespect. Praise the Lord. All right. Uh, this other thing in the biblical model, when a couple knew they trusted one another enough to make the commitment of marriage. They entered their covenant by having a betrothal or an engagement, a ceremony, at which time they spoke their vows, but gained no rights to touch or live together. It was only after they were uh, physically married that then they gained the right to touch and to live together. The modern dating model, though, is so different. Dating and going together are the modern solutions for emotional and physical desires of those unable or unwilling to marry. That means you don't have the money to really get married, but you want to just date. You don't have the money, you, you, you don't have, you, you know, you, but you just want to change your status. This is what dating does. Now, and here's what I always tell young people is like, look, um, you don't have to be the most, uh, the greatest professional. Just get a full time job. Just get a full time. I know everybody doesn't go to college and all that. And I'm not, I'm not here to push that on everybody, but just get a full time job. And, and trust me, if you are really seeking the Lord and this is the desire for you to seek a wife, God will bless you with the job if you're faithful. Amen. This other thing in the modern dating model says to gain sensual touching privileges, a couple must like each other, right? Or have some, some use uh, for each other. This is the, they, they have cheapened, this dating thing cheapens relationships. That's why we have to avoid this completely, avoid this type of stuff. Amen. Um, 
uh, in the world's dating model, a couple has not bound themselves in a covenant, therefore has not been declared by God to be one flesh, yet they grant rights to physical intimacy to whomever they choose through dating. This is not God's way of doing things, right? Another thing that happens in the, in the modern dating model, years before young people are prepared to marry or ready to settle down and commit to family life, they engage in dating for the purpose of personal gratification. It is an end in itself, effectively a substitute for marriage. It offers most of the benefits of marriage, but without the commitment. And I can tell you another thing it does not have. It does not have the blessing of Almighty God. You want the blessing of God, you want the blessing of your pastor, you want the blessing of your parents. When you can step out into life with all those blessings, life is much easier. Here, let's go on to this next slide. So, these four tires of marital relationships. I remember having a conversation with a young man. He was, uh, he actually was married, uh, but... If I, if I could just be honest, this marriage was a, a sister in the church that went outside of the teachings and brought a young man into the church. And, and I'm going to use a term uh, that my uncle used. He's a, a Baptist preacher. And, uh, you know, he would have to deal with different situations in the church where, where this happens in every church. It's not just a message. It happens in you know, just every denomination, somebody goes outside and does something different from, from you know, what, what was established. And uh, in this situation, you know, my uncle, my uncle said, you know, um, this lady came to my church. She went outside the church, got this, got this young man, brought him in, and she pretty much brought a lemon to the church, and she wanted me to make lemonade. Young people, don't do that to your pastor. <laughs> Don't do that to your parents. Don't bring a lemon to the church and then expect the pastor to make lemonade, right? And in this situation, this, this, this young sister, she went outside, you know, the faith got this young man, and, um, you know, and they, they did everything without godly counsel. They just did whatever they wanted to do, and their, their marriage was always on the rocks till eventually ended up in divorce. And I remember having a conversation with this young man. I was saying, you know, look, there's like four tires, to a marital relationship. And it's just like driving a car. Again, if you're driving that car and one tire goes flat, you know, you might be able to limp along. It may go very slow and you'll limp along. But if you get two tires flat on that car, you can forget about it. That car is not going anywhere. It will sit on the side of the road. And you don't want your relationship to end up on the side of the road. And you don't want your relationship to just limp along. You, you want it to have a smooth ride. All tires have to be equally balanced in order for you to have a smooth ride in that vehicle. So, you know, the, the, the thing that the Lord showed me in this is that, you know, the, the tires, I like to call it one tire is the spiritual tire. The second tire is the mental or emotional tire. The third tire is the physical tire. And the fourth tire is the financial tire. These things must have equal uh, 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 air in order for you to uh, uh, move, move safely in life or, or, or just have a smoother ride in life. You're going to have some bumps, but it would be a smoother ride if you just have these things in place. Now, let's talk about the spiritual. And let me ask a question. Is this okay for you all? Yeah. All right. So the spiritual, spiritual tire. Uh, first thing I want you to see is you can't walk with God holding hands with the devil. 
can't do it. You're going to have to let the, the, somebody's hand's got to be let go. And I, I, I advise you, let the devil's hand go and walk completely with God. Here the, the Bible says this, can two walk together except they be agreed? So spiritually, you want to make sure that you're on the same page, right? When it comes to your, 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 your Christian walk, you want to be on the same page. And, 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 and furthermore, we are message believers. We are message believers. We're, you know, we're not just Pentecostal or a Baptist or, you know, just another denomination. No, we are message believers. We believe the revealed word for this day. You want to find somebody that believes the same thing you believe. That way, when you're in the house saying the brother, the prophet told us, whoa, who's the prophet? What are you talking about? Right. You don't need that. You're, 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 you need someone that, that sees it exactly the way that you see it. Amen. Amen. So can two walk, to, walk together except they be agreed? This is what Amos asks us. Another uh, scripture here that, that we um, we refer to all the time in Second Corinthians six fourteen. Be ye not. This is a direct commandment. From Paul, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Oh, my, 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 my. Can I tell you something? If, um, if, um, let me just make a, a quick um, example. I think you, 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 let me, you just stand right here for me, brother. Quick example. What's your name, brother? Brother Emmanuel, let me just hold your hand. Just stay right there. Now, Brother Emmanuel, actually, he's probably much stronger than I am, right? And an unequally yoked relationship kind of looks like this. I'm standing up here, and either I can pull Brother Emmanuel up this way. Go back down, Brother Emmanuel. Or if he starts pulling, he pulls me down this way. So an unequally yoked relationship is somebody always trying to pull. And oftentimes, if the, it depends if you're the weaker one, you're going down. If you happen to be the strong one, you might be able to pull them up. But anytime you enter into a relationship like this, you're starting out with trouble. Thank you, Brother Emmanuel. You're starting out with trouble. Right? Um, what I'd rather do is wait till Brother Emmanuel actually get up here on his own. Before I thought about getting into a relationship with him. I'd rather wait for Sister Emanuela. I'd rather for her to stand up here on her own, not me trying to pull her up myself. That's going to be a problem. Because if I have to pull her up, I'm going to have to keep her up. If you have to pull them up, you're going to have to keep them up. Why don't you just wait till God sends you somebody that's already up? All right. Um, this is a, 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 a statement that I want to just kind of make. There's um, Brother Branham even, you know, goes on to say, say that he advises that people don't get married until they actually been filled with the Holy Ghost. So not just coming to church, getting baptized, make sure that they have the Holy Ghost. Um, I have experienced this myself. I've seen people. They'll come to me as a pastor and they'll tell me, I say, hey, tell me about your Holy Ghost experience. Tell me how you received the Holy Ghost. And they'll give me some story. And, uh, and, I, and I can sit there as a pastor and I can say, I know for sure you don't have it. But because they already got their mind made up, they're not going to hear what I got to say. 
And as a young lady, what I would do before, you know, uh, I would go and talk to the pastor. Do you think he has the Holy Ghost? Uh uh-uh. uh. Or a young man, go to the pastor. Do you think she got the Holy Ghost? He, no, I don't. I don't think so. And from there, you need to just kind of cut off whatever's going on because they don't have what they need to have for you to go to the next level. Let, take it somebody that actually have the Holy Ghost, right? But, but don't, you know, I, I've heard, I, I get different, you know, different ones sharing their different experiences. I'm like, oh, that ain't it. That ain't it. You know, yeah, I was this and a tear came down my eye. Um, you know, drunks cry. You know, I mean, okay, okay, that, that, that doesn't mean you got it. We want to see the life that you live after. And the other thing that I found is that people can be coached very well how to act like Christians. They know exactly how to do it. Oh, my goodness. I, I, I've seen it happen. I, I mean, like, I, like I, you know, uh, in, in the, um, uh, as, as brothers, we don't wear shorts and things like that to go out and play basketball. And we, we put on our long pants. You know, that's, that's what we do. And, um, but, but when you see a person coming in from the world and they're wearing their shorts and they're out playing basketball and, and they don't notice anything about all the brothers wearing long pants, uh, you want to you see if they actually kind of come to that on their own. Or when they hear it come across the pulpit, if they can actually apply it to their life. You know, you want to see that rather than you tell them, don't wear shorts when we go out there to the, to the picnic. Don't, don't see, you're, you're coaching them. You're, all you're doing is coaching them. And they know exactly what to do in order to make it look like they got what you want them to have. Look, you only hurt yourself when you do things like that. Here, let me read this quote. I think I got time. All right, yeah. Um, but Brother Branham said this. It says, a father and a mother called me to the scene and said, would you desire, uh, we would desire to know what is wrong with our boy. Now, it's not easy to do sometimes, but you must be truthful and honest. Therefore, the boy was a Christian as far as a believer. He had repented and had been baptized and had position among the believers. So, see, it's, it's going beyond. I mean, for, we know first and foremost, it shouldn't be anybody outside of your faith. Right. And second, second, second more, it shouldn't just because they, they go to church. You want to know that they've been changed on the inside. Right. It says, um, it says not easy to do sometimes, but you must be truthful and honest. Therefore, the boy was a Christian as far as a believer. He had repented and had been baptized and had his position among believers, but yet had not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, no matter how much he thought he had. You, you thinking you have it and having it is two different things. You might be able to try to say you have and you might be able to show, show some, some evidence of some emotion. But unless your life is vindicating what you're professing to have, you still haven't got it. Amen. No matter how many emotions, how much you jump, run, sensation, speaking in tongues or shouting or whatever you might lay it upon, which is all right. I believe in all that, too. But unless your life copes with your testimony, then you haven't got it because the fruit of the spirit vindicates what you are. Just like the fruit of any tree tells what it is. Jesus said by their fruit, you shall know them. Now, this young fellow's parents, his mother's German. No reflection on the German. But there's a strain in that family. This is why when you're courting and you're courting that family, you want to actually see what strains are in the family. All right. He says, uh, but there's a strain in the family and that is that they'll just sit and you can talk to them and they'll just stare you right in the face. See, if they got that strain, then you can't get offended when you go to that household to sit and nobody's saying anything to you. 
they got a strain in the family. Right. And so it says um, uh, they, they got this girl's sister, the mother of this boy, her sister. I have come down the street many mornings. This young lady be sitting out in the yard. And I say, good morning to you. And she'd say um, um, uh, and, and she just uh, look at me and I stop and I say, sure, fine morning. She would just stand, look right at you, an intelligent woman. And I say, come up to see her sometime. She just stand and look. Well, her brothers are the same, are that way. Father and mother's that way. Now, the father of the boy is strictly an Irishman, moody and high-tempered. The dad is high-tempered. So if the dad is high-tempered, the apple does not fall too far from the tree. If the boy is not converted, he's also going to be high-tempered. Right? It says uh, uh, high-tempered and high-strung. That's his whole family like that, except one other out of the family converted. Now, this, this boy, this father and mother, both the Christians, filled the Holy Ghost, and they have brought this young man up in the way of the Lord. And now the young man is about 17 or 18 years old, something along there, very fine kid, and he's been a real model boy at home. Nice kid, and he's got a, a brother that's just vice versa. But the girls, the mother's family lives close to fine church. But do you think they ever come over there? No. And they know it's right. But it's just not in them to to ask forgiveness or ask pardoning. That's a strain that's in the family that they do not apologize. So when you get your feelings hurt and nobody actually apologizes to you, you understand it's a strain. All right. Right. These are things you want to figure out before you get too involved. All right. So he goes on to say this. Let's go a little further. He says, um, uh, and to ask forgiveness or ask pardon, they just won't do it. It's just not in them. Now, the genes in the father and the mother of this boy, no matter how much they are converted. Oh, my. Think about what the prophet has just said. No matter how much they are converted, still remains the flesh that's been interbred out to this boy. Therefore, the boy has got a complex in him, just like from his mother's family. And they are not forgiven. They will not apologize. And that's where that boy stands. Now I said to the father, no matter how much you raise them up, says, now I look at you out of your family, all of them drunks and fighting and shooting and cutting and, and so forth. And Brother Branham just kind of telling the father, no matter how much you raise them up, and, and the father just, you know, if I keep reading in the quote, you'll see the, the father gets high strung even with the prophet. I know I raised my boy the right way. He's high strung even with the prophet. But Brother Branham makes this statement at the end, and I'm just going to save, save it for the sake of time. You can find this in the message of paradox if you want to go back and read it yourself. Brother Adams tell him, say, I said, yeah, you may have them in church. You may be doing all that. All those things are all right. All those things are the outward emotions are the outward motions. He said he might be identified as a believer with the believers. But until he's regenerated, converted, filled with the Holy Ghost, <laughs> until he's regenerated, born again, I'd advise that that young man to never marry a woman. You know why? Even though he go to church. Even though, you know, uh, he's faithful in attending church, but if that nature has not changed, he says, I'd advise that young man, the boy that's going to church every week. He's there on Wednesday nights. He's there on Sundays. I mean, he's there any time the church was open, but he has not been converted from the inside. He says, I'd advise that young man never to marry a woman. He'll make hell on earth for her. So, sisters, I want you to think about that, because this is not just a young man outside in the streets that can make hell on earth for you. But this could be a young man right in the church. Young man, I want to I want to I want to I want to put this put the shoe on the other foot, not just for you, but a young sister that's in the same situation. She can make hell on earth for you. Be sure that they have the Holy Ghost talking over with your pastor.
Pastor, what do you think about this person? What do you think about their character? Talk it over with your parents. Try to get some feedback before you just jump in there. Let me tell you something. If they can mask it at the beginning, they'll mask it all through the marriage. And then eventually it all comes out. And now you got hell on earth. And how many years do you have to live in hell on earth before you're released? Because it's until death do we part. He'll make hell on earth until that gentle, sweet, forgiving spirit of Christ comes in. See, you got to watch that because then there'll be situations that arise in his life and you'll be able to see whether he has that gentle, forgiving spirit. After the Holy Ghost has come in, you'll see those things change in his life. Hallelujah. That's the spiritual tire. (laughs) This mental or emotional tire, I I like to call it that, is very important when you're entering into a marital relationship. I want you to notice the scripture here in Proverbs uh, 29.11 says, A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it, keepeth it in till afterwards. Now, we're living in a day where people always utter in their minds. But you got to learn how to zip it up sometimes. I want to I want to encourage you. This is something practical that you can use. Relationships will have issues. They'll have problems. You got two people from two different backgrounds trying to become one. So you're going to run into problems at some point in time. But emotionally, you have to be stable in order to be able to handle these issues. I want to I want to tell you, when you run into problems, be careful what you share with others when you are upset with your spouse. Be careful about going to your mom and to your dad and I'm so mad at so-and-so and I, or your sister and I'm, I'm just so mad they did this, I did that. Or, you know, be careful about who you share that with because this is what happens. Once you have made up and forgiven them, the person you spoke to is still carrying the hurt. They didn't get an opportunity to make up and forgive like you did. So they're still carrying the hurt and you're just acting all like nothing ever happened. But they still have that hurt that they're carrying, and it, it, it puts a, a strain on family relations. So be careful with sharing that information. Remember, a fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it till afterwards. Another thing that I want to just encourage you, something practical that you can, you can uh, use, social media is never the platform To air your feelings. Whatever happens in your house should stay in your house, but you never go to social media to air all of your emotions and all your feelings. A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it till afterwards. I was thinking on this, and um, there was a a young lady that I'll I'll use here as an example. Uh, Brother Branham talks about this in the message, Perfect Faith. He says, a young girl just happened to live here in Louisville not long ago. A woman, she was uh, been a Christian for many years, but her husband just fell uh, fell in love. She fell in love with this man. He had been a Christian a couple years. Um, And it says, and so they got married. They loved and had confidence in one another, and they got married. And so the woman said to the man, uh, said, hubby, 
it must be hard on you. You're just a young Christian. You've had so much to go through with. Drinking is what it was. I said, you've had so much to go through with and said, I know you're bound to be tempted awfully hard. And said, I want you to know one thing now. Now, if you happen to fall, if you have to fall into temptation and it's overcome, don't stay away from home. See, mentally, emotionally, she's stable. That she can tell this man that used to struggle and say, if if you fall, don't stay away from home. Come on back home. I'm not going to kick you out. I, I love you that much, right? That she's emotionally stable, able to handle this next phase of their relationship and the trials that could come. So she says, she says, um, uh, if you happen to fall, if you happen to fall into temptation is overcome, don't stay away from home. You come on back, you come right here because I'm going to be right here waiting for you and I'm going to help you pray through again until you get victory. I'm going to stay with you because when I married you, I married you because I loved you. And no matter what you are, I still love you. She's emotionally stable. She got air in that tire. Another situation here, because there are going to be challenges that come, amen, into, uh, uh, into marriages. Here, you know, Brother Bram said this out of the message, choosing of a bride. Uh, he was talking about this young couple that came up to him and wanted to get married. And, and he says uh, she got out of the car and they come up the steps. And when they walked in, the poor little thing, I guess she's about all she had on was a skirt. And she didn't have no shoes hardly on. She had hitchhiked from Indianapolis down, had a little hair hanging down back and uh, a long kind of plaits down her back, looked very young. I said, are you, are you old enough to get married? She said, yes, sir. And she said, I have my written permission from my father and mother. She said, I had to show it to the court here to get my license. I said, all right. I said, uh, I'd like to talk to you a little bit before we perform this wedding. They sat down. The boy kept looking around the room. He needed a haircut real bad, but he kept looking around the room. He wasn't listening to me. I said, son, I want you to listen to what I'm saying. Said, yes, sir. And I said, uh, you love this girl? He said, yes, sir, I do. I said, do, and he asked the young lady, you love him? Yes, sir, I do. I said, now, have you got a place to take her after you're married? Now, this is a really, really good, good question. Young lady, the answer for this young man should not be, yeah, we're going to take her back to my parents' house. See, he's not prepared. He's not ready for a relationship. He should have never got into one unless he can have his own place. Uh, he says, uh, uh, have, you, have you got a place to uh, take her after you marry? He said, yes, sir. I said, all right, now. I said, I want to ask you something. I understand you're working up here on this PWA. He said, yes, sir. That's about $12 a week. I said, you think you can make a living for her? See, he's got to take care of her, right? Uh, he says, he says, I'll do all I can do. And then he says, well, that's all right. I said, now, what if he gets out of, he's talking to the young lady. You got to be emotional and stable, mental, ready for this. He says, now, what if he gets out? What if he loses this job, sister? What are you going to do? Are you going to run back home to mama and papa? See, are you emotional? Your emotional tire has to be strong enough that, look, I'm not leaving the situation. I believe we'll work through this together. Yeah, the trials are going to come. The distresses are going to come. But are you willing to work through it together? Do you love them enough that you can work through it together? She said, no, sir, I'm, I'm going to stay with him. He says, sir, what if you have three or four children, nothing to feed them, and you haven't got any work? What are you going to do, send her away? She said, no, sir, I'll struggle right on. We'll make it some way. That shows that his mental and her mental and emotional tire had the air in it for them to, to sell smooth. Even though the ride might get a little bumpy sometime. 
We got confidence in one another. We're going to make it through this. If you don't have that type of confidence, I advise you, stay away from it. I want to just say that disagreements will come, but each person must remain committed to the relationship. Let's talk about this physical tire. Brother Branham would get together with the young people at his church. Sometimes he'd talk to the sisters about sex and things. And then on the brothers another week, talk about sex and things. So it's a very normal thing. Um, first thing we need to understand is that it's not evil. It's not evil. Uh, God actually, uh, when he created our bodies, you know, that, that's, I mean, he created us a certain way so that we could reproduce. God did that. God designed us to be able to do that. So it's not, it's not evil. It's only when we do it outside of marriage that it's evil. Here, Genesis 127, I mean, 127. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Now, this is a commandment from Almighty God uh, regarding marriage. And, you know, in the Bible, we also read earlier, uh, marriage is honorable out of Hebrews 13, 4. Marriage is honorable and, and the bed is undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Um, Again, inside the bonds of marriage, this is something God blesses. Children come from this, right? So it's something that God blesses. However, when it's outside of the bonds of marriage, actually, the scripture tells us plainly, flee fornication. Run from that. Don't, don't ever get yourself involved in that. Flee fornication. That's one thing you don't, you don't just stick, stick around and just kind of play with. You run from it, right? Amen. Uh, here, you know, the other thing that I want to just kind of uh, touch on is because this physical tire... It can be impacted. You have to be very true to yourself and true to God, even right now while you are single. One of the big things that that plague marriages, and I need to let you all know this, pornography is a real issue in our world today, all over the world. Pornography is a real issue. And, 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 And it's not just an issue for the brothers, it's an issue for the sisters as well. You have to you have to you have to guard yourself. You have to say no to the enemy, because as you as you get more and more involved in that pornography, it's actually going to affect you when you get married. It will hurt your marriage. There there's there's statistics all over that show how this just hurts marriages. Now, you know, I want to I'm just going to say this in my mind, the way I see it, uh, uh, Pornography is equivalent to adultery in a marriage. Yes, sir. As a single person, watching pornography is equivalent as to adultery in a marriage. And I could also probably say it's equivalent to just already committing the act of fornication. Yes. Why do you say that, Brother Jack? Matthew 5.27. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. So if you're looking at the pornography, you are committing adultery. 
You have to guard yourself even right now at this stage in your life. Don't allow the enemy to get that foothold in your life because it will impact you when you are married. Many marriages have been destroyed because of people not being able to overcome pornography. It's a real devil. And it's, and it's here to destroy marriages. God ordained for, uh, when, I mean, when God put Adam and Eve in the garden, he, he ordained that Adam would have a helpmate. God ordained that. God, God is the one that blessed marriage. He's the one that performed the first marriage. You can't allow an enemy to get a foothold in your, in your life in this area. This is one that you want to you flee. You want to run from. Here, Brother Branham says the first son, Adam, was the spoken seed word of God. He was given a bride to reproduce himself. And that is why the bride was given to him to reproduce himself, to produce another son of God. So God blesses a man uh, uh, sexual intimacy. I mean, through, um, in, in the bonds of marriage, God blesses it. Children are born that way. This is how we reproduce. This is how we are fruitful and multiply. And, 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 and that is something that you should desire, that God would bless you with a child when you are married. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. A brother's not just marrying a sister just so he can have what we call eye candy. No. That's a wife. You're supposed to reproduce yourself. At least try. Amen. Right? This is why God gave Eve to Adam, so that he could reproduce another son of God. Amen. So, you know, these are things that we uh, we should look at. And, and this I, I, I want to just encourage you when you're talking about this physical tire. And there's another scripture I want to I want to give you here, uh, because even in marriage, you have to be so careful. Sometimes you can get somebody that's so spiritual. I fast all the time. Nothing wrong with fasting. Nothing wrong with that at all. I have no problem with it. But when it comes to marriage, you're not supposed to defraud one another. The Bible actually says that. First Corinthians seven, five, defraud ye not one another, except it be with consent for a time. That's something that you have to agree on, that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again. So this is what Paul said. You need to come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. So it's something that God could bless if you do it the way that God says do it. Amen. You must have air. In that physical tire. All right. This fourth tire. We've talked about this mental, emotional tire. We talked about the spiritual tire. Talked about the, the physical tire. Now let's talk about this financial tire. I like I liked this little uh, uh, thing here. Blessed to bless. You are blessed to be a blessing. Amen. Um, young people, <laughs> this is very important. God is, is very concerned even about your finances and how you handle it. God is extremely concerned about that. And um, I want to encourage you as the Lord blesses you all with work and, and, and things like that. Um, you want to honor God with your your wealth, your increase. The Bible gives us very specific instructions in the book of Malachi. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house. Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, 
If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruits um, before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, um, I think it's important. A young man, young woman, when you're courting, uh, somehow the conversation, you know, over time. Not not initially. I'm not talking about the first time, you know, you, you all are talking on the phone or whatever. Uh, you're asking them about their financial, you know, status. You're not, you're not doing that. But somehow over time, you, you will be asking them, okay, how was work today? It's a good question. How was work today? Oh, I didn't go to work today. Oh, okay, you're not feeling well? Yeah, not, not feeling well. Okay. A couple of days go by. How was work today? I didn't go to work today. You're still not feeling well? But I see you out doing this and doing that, and you say you're not feeling well. You eventually find out they don't have a job. They don't have a job. That's why they keep telling you that. And there's a problem there, because if they don't have a job now, will they have one later? You want to know that they're going to go to work. Now, when they go to work and they make money, you also want to have a conversation at some point in time, and you can just kind of say it yourself. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I went and paid my tithes today, made sure I, got, I paid my tithes. You know, God blessed me with the job and I paid my tithes. You want to see what their response is. That's good. If they never say I paid my tithes, you might be getting yourself involved in something where there's going to be a curse over your house financially. You want to know that they're faithfully honoring the word of the Lord. And, and, and also, you, sometimes you're having conversations about tithes. Like, you know, tithes is not an arbitrary number. Tithes is actually 10% of your earnings. Oh, yeah, I just sometimes it's 5%, sometimes it's 7%, sometimes it's 15%. I can guarantee if you've got a person like that, they're not paying 15%. They're paying 2%. It should be 10% every time. And, and, and young people, this is very important because if you enter into a relationship with someone that is not faithful in their tithes, you enter into a situation where you could have a curse on your own house financially. I was, um, I'll give you something here. Um, tithing is, is, to me, is very important. I learned it at a, at a very young age. Um, it was, it was you know, we just, that was something our pastor taught us. First thing we did when we got our check, pay your tithes and then pay the rest of your bills. I just, that's the way we, we did things. Um, and, um, you know, I learned a lesson on my honeymoon that stayed with me for all my life. Um, my wife and I had just gotten married and, um, um, sh- she, you know, when I, we went back to the house to change clothes and, you know, we're getting ready to ride off uh, for the honeymoon, to start our honeymoon. And as we riding off, my wife is walking out of the house with her wedding dress on. And I was uh, telling her, I was like, uh, dear, why, why do you have the wedding dress? What do you, you know, the wedding is over. Um, just put on your regular clothes and let's, let's go. I'm talking right after, right after getting married. And, um, so she's like, no, I want to wear my wedding dress. And, and, and I didn't know. In her mind, her thought was to walk into this grand entrance of a hotel in her wedding dress and everybody just oohing and on over her wedding. I didn't realize that. I was a young man. I had no idea what any of that meant. I'm just thinking, put on your regular clothes and let's go 
on the honeymoon. Well, she won the battle. She brought the wedding dress. And I mean, you know, she had, back in those days, those big wedding dresses. And, and I mean, it's just big, you know. So, um, you know, she's got it. And, you know, after she finally takes it off, you know, and we put it in the back seat of the car, um, you know, we're going on with our honeymoon and everything. And then I'm on my way back home from the honeymoon. And, and, um, and I have to say the angel left my car because I was driving a little bit too fast. And as I was driving, um, officer stops me, and I just got married. Now, I've already spent all my money on a wedding, and I don't have money to pay a ticket. So the, the, the officer, um, he walks back to give me your driver's license and your registration, and he walks back to his car, and he's just going through, and I, it just felt like he was just taking so much time to bring the ticket to me. And I'm like... Might as well just get it over with. Just bring me the ticket. I know that I was speeding, and just just give it to me, and I'll figure out how I'm going to pay it. I, man, I, oh, well, just got married. So uh, the officer walks back up to the car, and he says, I see you got married. You just got married. I said, how does he know that I just got married? I said, oh, the wedding dress. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just got married. He says, um, financial problems are some of the greatest problems that marriages experience. He says, and I don't want to contribute to a financial problem. So I'm going to give you a warning and not a ticket. Please slow down. I said, officer, I'll never forget you. Officer Slay was his name. I'll never forget him. That man taught me a lesson that has stayed with me for all my life. And he's right. Financial issues are issues that actually destroy marriages. Sometimes it's good to be able to kind of talk about, especially if you, if you know that people are paying tithes, you already know if God can trust them in that area, then God can trust them in other areas. You get to Proverbs and there are other, 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 other things that you can read there to kind of show you how you're supposed to conduct yourself in finances. But once you find out that they're, they're faithful tithe payers, and look, if, if you don't want to ask them, you got people in your church you can ask. You got a pastor. Pastor, are they faithful tithe payers? He don't say nothing. You already know. You already know. And at some point in time, before you go any further, you need to have that conversation and make sure that they become faithful typers. God's got to be able to trust them with money. Let me tell you something. If God can't trust them with money, you're not going to be able to trust them with money. Financial pressures come in marriages. What I found in my own life, I had two jobs, well-paying jobs that I, that I, that I, that I had. Uh, worked in the IT profession for well over 25 years, so I did okay for myself. But uh, I lost two well-paying jobs just out of nowhere. I don't even know how it happened that I lost two jobs. I can look back now. I can see my purpose was shifting, <laughs> and I can see that God uh, had a plan for me to go into full-time ministry, but he didn't tell me that. He just let me lose the jobs. And uh, But my wife was with me there through the entire process. She saw us get really low. She saw us even get to the point where uh, our house was being foreclosed on. They told us that they're going to come and take the house. But you know what? My wife wasn't trying to go back home to her mom. 
Actually, she couldn't because her mom was living with us. And I wasn't talking about running off and just leaving them there. Somehow we prayed through it together. We fought through it together. And God reversed everything about that situation. And I saw this scripture play out in my own life where God himself rebuked the devourer for my sake and for my family's sake. God's word is real. God's word works And if we just apply these basic principles in our life, we'll see life. It's going to have some bumps. It's going to have some, you know, some uh, 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 it's going to be uncomfortable at times. But overall, it'll be smooth sailing if you put the air in these tires. Brother Brandon made a statement here. You owe tithings is where you get your food. And I love that. How many of you all go to a restaurant and you eat really, really good and you walk out without paying the bill? I'm not, I'm not talking about because somebody else paid the bill for you. I'm talking about you just walked, you ate, you got the check, but you walked out and didn't pay the bill. Nobody does that. Why would we come to the house of God? Sit down and eat good spiritual food and not pay our tithing. Something to think about. The end. I want you to just notice that picture, and I, I want to. This is uh, specifically for the brothers. There's a shepherd carrying sheep, and the reason. Who knows what the reason is that he's carrying the sheep, but we, what we find is that he's taking the sheep. He's not carrying it in his arms like this, but he takes the sheep and he puts it on his shoulder. And there's a purpose and a reason that he puts it on his shoulder. Brother Branham tells us in a statement, he says, you know, when, 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 when Jesus was dealing with Satan, he would just point his finger and tell Satan to move here and move there and just go here and go there. He only used his finger to cast out the devil. But when it came to his sheep, he always picked them up and put them on his shoulder. And the reason he put it on his shoulder is because the shoulder was the strongest part of his body. And he wants to carry that sheep to safety. Brothers, you have a responsibility. And this is what the scripture says. For unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And, you know, and, and all these great adjectives that Isaiah uses to describe our Lord Jesus. But it's very important for us to understand what the government upon his shoulder is all about. Brother Random tells us in Church Age book, when uh, the government is upon his shoulder, it's a, 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 a tradition that they have. Uh, you know, in, in the East, their Eastern traditions in the wedding ceremony. And at the, um, at the day of the marriage, at the day of the marriage, uh, a father walks down and gives his daughter to this young man. And this is why it's so important. You know, they're, 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 uh, I was, I was, I was um, listening to a minister recently, and he uh, made a statement 
he, he called up this couple in front of the church, and um, and he and he made a statement. He says uh, it was the girl and her parents, and then the young man. And he told the young man, he says, "Look, her father's name got her a college education. Her father's name got her a car. Her father's name got her a nice house to live in. Her father's name has done so many things for her. Now, when he gives her to you." Your name has got to take her further than her father's name. Young ladies, please be aware. If that young man can't take you further, I'm not talking about, you don't start out with the same thing a father had, but does he have ambition? Does he have drive? Does he have anything that will help take, him, take you further? You don't want to be pulled down like I showed you earlier. You want to go up. And if you do things the way God has asked you to do it, you'll always go up. You'll elevate. In the Eastern tradition, they get to a certain point in the ceremony, and they, the young lady has to take her veil and actually throw it across the shoulder of her new husband. And when she does that, when she takes the veil and she throws it across the shoulder of her new husband, it shows a transfer of authority, headship, but also shows a transfer of responsibility. Young man... When you're taking on this young lady, the government is now on your shoulders. Be prepared for the government to rest on your shoulder. God bless you. Thank you, Brother Jack. I don't know whose notes you've been looking at, but uh, that was spot on. That was very well done and very well put together, and I'll tell you what, that's a blessing. Uh, there are many, many good things that are said there, and that is so in harmony and in continuity with what we've taught at the retreat for years and years and years and years and years, right from the very beginning. Uh, it's impressive. And I, I, I don't have my phone with me because I'm in church. Uh, it's not really as charging in there. But <laughs> Brother Paul is, is listening up there, and I'll tell you what. I know what he's going to say uh, when, I, when, he, when I get my phone and take a look at it. I know what he's going to say uh, because that's spot on. That is just good and sound advice. All of it is scriptural. All of it is biblical. And uh, uh, you're going nowhere if you've got a flat tire. And you ain't going nowhere if you've got two flat tires. You ain't going nowhere if you've got three good tires and don't have the fourth one. You say, Brother Barry, why do you get so excited and red in the face when we talk about things like this? I'll tell you why. Because I'm a marriage counselor. Pastors uh, tend to be marriage counselors, and I do a lot of it. And I will tell you something. There are lots of things that I've watched couples go through uh, in life because they didn't uh, inflate their tires properly prior to making the commitment to marriage. And... These things need to be taught. They need to be talked about, and they need to be uh, talked about in a very practical and an understandable way. I don't think there's anything that's been said today that we wouldn't understand. And I think that is a, a wonderful application of the word, and we could use more of that. And, Brother Jack, thank you. On behalf of the youth around the world who need to hear that, thank you, and may God bless you. And uh, I'm really glad that we, uh, we got that done. If you go back in our archives just a little ways, you'll find uh, a couple of sermons in there called the second most important decision that you'll ever make. 
and uh, had all the same quotes and scriptures and the same thoughts that are there, but this was presented in, in a unique way, and I'll, I'll tell you what, I was blessed, and uh, I really appreciated that. Uh, you say, Brother Barry, are you going overboard with this? Yes, I am, because I, I'm, I'm excited. I, I just, I enjoy it. And you know what? There's a whole modern way of thinking about this uh, that's out there in the world, but uh, that's not our absolute. The way that people in the world do it, that's not our absolute. Uh, we are interested in what the Scripture has to say. We're interested in the great examples that Brother Branham gave us in his counsel to people, especially in that paradox sermon there. Uh, very powerful and very direct, and uh, I, I believe that your way will be blessed when we walk according to God's will. I mean, it, it just you might as well get used to the idea that if you want to have the blessing of God in your life, you've got to line up to God's way of doing it, and there ain't no other way. There ain't no other way. I'm excited about what we're going to hear tonight. Brother Burley, uh, you've got a wonderful platform to, to minister on tonight after that and uh, after all the services that we've had. So let's stand to our feet. Uh, tonight we'll close in a word of prayer. Uh, sing and practice around 6, so we're going to let the people who sing eat first, and uh, then we'll uh, come on back and come back a little bit early and, and just set your heart and your mind in place for, uh, for service tonight and just ask God to uh, bring a great conclusion to our uh, meetings together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity we've had today to sit and to learn and to be admonished and be encouraged in the ways of God. And Lord, these things in many ways, Lord, they're not new, but Lord, it's just such a fresh wave of uh, inspiration that uh, came with this today. And I, I just I so want to thank you, Lord, personally. And I, I thank God for my wife and for our years together, Lord. And uh, I just pray that you would uh, make us, draw us even closer. And Lord, even after many, many years of marriage, Lord, we still desire to find your way of doing things and to be patient and loving and forgiving. And these things, Lord, they don't go away. They're still there, and they're still challenges to us. And, Father, the world we live in is very difficult, very immoral, and it does not value these standards that Brother Jack talked about today. But as believers, we value these things, and we embrace them, and we, we say, Lord, just help us to live the way you want us to live. And, Father, bless our meeting tonight. We pray just, I, I ask that you would just move Brother Burley out of the way. And, Lord, we're just coming with expectation on our hearts that you're going to speak to us again. We commit our time into your hands. In Jesus' lovely name we pray. Amen. Amen. And all the brides said, Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go. We have food prepared uh, out yonder.